0: He also covers the Cavaliers for us, and he joins us right now. Hi, D. What's happening, guys? Well, we're just sitting here talking about hey. uh, Kevin Love a little bit. I, I, we'll get to that in a second. We were actually talking about the Browns as well. Oddly enough, talking about you know two of our pro sports franchises here in town. Uh, Nick Shook was on with us earlier. He said he had more confidence in the front office than he did the coaching staff. Not that he didn't have confidence in the coaching staff. He never said that he didn't. But he said he had more in the front office. And Andy and I were kind of in agreement. We thought they were one and the same, kind of a package deal. How do you feel about about all of that? More confidence in Andrew Barry and his crew or Kevin Stefanski and his crew? Or is it just one big crew?
1: I, I think it's one big crew. At least it should be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where uh, ownership views it. Um. They're obviously committed to uh, giving this group a fourth year together. Um, you know, both have their work cut out for them. Uh, Andrew Berry to, to shore up this roster, wide receiver on the offensive side, maybe some depth on the offensive line. Uh, and then on the defensive side, you, you got to rebuild a sizable chunk uh, of that uh, front seven while at the same time restructuring some contracts this offseason, which shouldn't be a, all that big of a deal. Um, and then you know, Kevin Stefanski, uh, the work is cut out for him because he needs to sufficiently motivate this team to get the the most out of the talent that he's been given to work with. Because that's something that has not occurred in the last two years. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like the Browns have a schematic problem. I I, I think that they have a uh, execution and a get the most out of the talent that they have problem. And so. Um, it it's a big year for uh, both the front office as well as this uh, coaching staff.
2: I'm trying to figure out, you know, how what it's like for them to be in this position. of Do you think they feel pressure? I mean, let's just answer the question no. that way.
1: No, because that's because they it...
2: can't operate that way, yep. or arrogance, or why do you think that they?
1: No, because they can't operate that way. Okay, um, you, you can't you can't make uh, decisions based on emotion or fear. So. Uh, I, I don't think that they feel pressure, um, but I also believe that they're aware of the situation, that you know, they know where uh, things stand with the franchise and what needs to be accomplished this year.
0: Explain, shed some light on who you think might be cap casualties, and do the Browns have to do some things there, Daryl, to, to bring in other people? Do they have to get rid of some money? Or are they okay in certain situations?
1: No, they're going to have to get rid of some money. Um, I think John Johnson might be the most prominent cap casualty, uh, one of those post-June 1st um, cuts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they just got to restructure some contracts, roll some uh, salary into signing bonus, and uh, you know they'll be fine. Teams do this all the time, so... Um, this narrative out there that the Browns are in salary cap trouble just really isn't true. I mean, you, you look at the, the math on paper, yes, they are in the uh, you know, plus uh, column as far as being over the cap goes, but they've got until uh, the start of the new league year to get under that, and I certainly don't anticipate that being a problem.
2: All right, so where are we now? I mean, you, vacation. You s-
1: that's where we are.
2: Yeah, I, I know. I feel oh, that way. Oh, Daryl, really nice. Good yes. for you.
0: Just you personally, or no, no, no.
1: no. That uh, the Browns are on vacation right now.
0: But we. I never, just wonder how they do we never vacation here at ninety two through the fan. We'll have all your Browns information, all your Browns talk, <laughs> all the time because we never sleep.
2: That's right. Oh my God, these toothpicks holding my eyes open are crazy. I'm like Fred Flintstone. Um, but I mean, as far as scouting and looking at the senior bowl and trying to, like, it just doesn't, it just feels so open and cold because there is no first round pick. And as they sit down and they prioritize what they need or what they can get, like, I just wonder all those variables that go into the, hey, let's figure out, like, when they go to do their mock draft and they sit down in the room before the draft happens, like, what, I, how do they, how do they approach that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how is it different for them? And I guess we've already gone through this one year already, but, when you're trying to evaluate and the variables are just like, especially for your top pick, I just think it's an awkward and difficult position to be in.
1: Yeah. uh, Like you said, they've done this before, so um, they have practice. (laughs) Um, And uh, I don't think it's all that difficult for them because they've, they've been through it. Um, You know, I guess the hard part of it is, is projecting who goes where, who's going to be available to them, but they've got eight draft picks. Now, should they use all eight draft picks? No. Hint: <laughs> Andrew Berry makes some trades. You Dump think they will try picks. to move up? Is there? Would you get
0: no, you any that, no? I think Trade if anything, they're going to try and spin yeah. picks into the future. Um, how about how about spin picks into veterans who can come in and play?
1: Oh, there's that too. Okay, um, but you know that that second round pick's a nice chip uh, to to get yourself a, a starter, but. Um, I I just kind of feel like this is not a draft and develop year. I think we've talked about this before. This is a get some guys on the field that can help them win football games immediately here. Um, The the, the draft pick stuff can get kicked down the road. Um, That's not to say you can't find a couple of rookies that are able to contribute for you this year. But you don't you don't need a massive rookie draft class this year. You you just don't. You need guys that are going to step on the field and make plays for you this fall, and help you win football games. Um, and but you know, look, Kansas City a perfect example. Look at the rookies that they had contribute uh, to their uh, Super Bowl team. So just because they don't have a first round pick, does not diminish the importance of the work uh in fact i think it enhances uh the importance of the work that the scouting department uh is doing whether that is you know the senior bowl uh the combine when that comes up in a couple of weeks uh you know pro days and things like that you know they they, they really got to be on their game to find you know some of those hidden gems later in the draft that that can help them uh and and have Uh, an immediate impact Um, so you know this is just because you don't have a first round pick you're not taking the draft off right so they they got eight picks Uh, they got a second third couple of fours couple of fives six and a seven Um, I'm all for Andrew Berry trading the day three picks you use the day two uh, get a couple of guys to help you and, and then on day three, kind of go down the Joe Banner path years and years ago. Remember when he, um, I think it was the 2013 draft, where he basically spun the entire draft into future draft picks. Um, you know, you can you know trade your seven for a, a future six. Trade your six for a future five. You know what I mean? You can upgrade those picks uh, down the road because um, – you know, in the next couple of years, they're going to need those additional draft assets for more roster flexibility as well. So, um, that's the the balance that you know Andrew Berry, uh, you know, has to walk here. He's got to think uh, think today, win the day, but he also has to think, uh, be in a position to win tomorrow.
0: Gerald Ryder joining us. He's our Browns beat reporter, and. Free agency coming up. We know that Andrew Berry will be spending money in free agency. Stick with me on this. Is there one area you think where he's thinking, okay, we need to spend the big money on free agents at this spot?
1: Defensive and, tackle.
0: Well, hang on a second. And we <laughs> I was going that, to say and we was quick. Quick, Well, we know defensive tackle and wide receiver are, are two areas where they're probably working free agency. And then are there other areas, Daryl, where you think they might say, we can get some real bargains here on guys who we think might be able to contribute and not have to go out and spend and, and get that marquee player? So you would think defensive tackle, you go and try and get the marquee player the, the, and spend as much money as it needs to fill that spot. And then other, you know what I'm saying? Other places where, hey, like Kenny Galladay is going to get cut loose from the Giants we could get him for a vet's minimum a bet and we bring him in as a free agent and see if he can still play what do you think
1: well yeah i mean that that's what andrew berry i like that's his job no no
0: but you know what i'm saying is he is he earmarking hey we think we need to spend yeah. big money at this spot oh, yeah. but not at this spot
1: he's he's already got his board laid out you know here's here 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 are the holes here are the guys that we think can fill those holes here is the cost associated with those guys to fill those holes, and you know. Um, but yeah, defensive tackles probably where we're going to spend money. Okay. I think you can get your receiver in the draft. Um, you, you, you can get more young defensive linemen in the draft as well, but uh, defensive tackle I think is where you're you're probably going to be looking to, to to spend your money. You need an experienced at least one experienced proven player there that you maybe compare with a younger guy defensive end is interesting because they got a couple of young guys, you know, they traded for chase last year, but they got a couple of young guys in Isaiah Thomas and Alex, Wright. I don't that they played well when they were called upon last year. But the question is, are either one or both of them full-time players opposite miles Garrett? And that's a question that organizationally, um, you know, they need to answer, but I still think they need some, uh, you know, help there, uh, parent opposite Miles Garrett. But I don't know necessarily that they have to spend big money there. I, I think that if there is a big money spend in free agency, it's going to be at the defensive tackle spot because that's where they need the most impact. That's interesting.
0: We had K.J. Wright on earlier this week. He talked about Nick Chubb, and he didn't like the matchup with Watson. Nick shook was on with us a little while ago and he thought not a major issue, but with cap money and everything else, there's, there's no, no chance that Nick Chubb isn't on this team next year. Is there?
1: Well, you never say never. Um, I'm not in favor of trading Nick Chubb, but, uh, there is a,
2: Oh man, this feels like the podcast. Keep going. I don't like
1: this. There is a a dynamic, Shift here offensively, right? You you're going from a run-heavy offense to now a pass-heavy offense because you have the, the quarterback capable of pulling that off. So I'm not in favor of it. I will never and never say never. Remember, two weeks ago, Kobe Altman uh, told us that uh, there's no buyout coming for Kevin Love. So <laughs> well, that's true. So yeah, I mean, you got to kind of you know is is great as Nick Chubb is. Um, the GM's jo- if someone calls, I mean, the GM's job is to answer the phone. Now, that doesn't mean that you're shopping a player or you don't want the player or that the player's not a fit. Answering the phone is not a crime and it is not a you know, show of intent to make a deal. Um, but there is value with Nick Chubb, uh, no question about it. But you know he's, he's 27 years old. They probably got maybe two more seasons left of him uh, at, in his prime uh, because as we know, when uh, running backs hit 30 years old, they go to die, uh, at least 99% of them. So y- you got a couple more years left of him. and um, you know it, it's a shame that they've not taken advantage of him in any, <laughs> of some of the years that they've gotten from him. But um, yeah, I, I just I never say never. Uh, I don't think that there's a such thing as an untradeable player or you know off limits for trade type of player. Now the price might be out of this world, right, and unreasonable for certain guys. Um, but I never say never when it comes to uh, trading guys, just because that's just not how professional sports works.
2: Daryl, I know you touch on the Cavs and you also cover the Cavs. What are your thoughts on the Kevin Love situation and? You know why? Why are we in this spot, anyways? Does he have anything left? Do you think he's just not working well with JB? Um, is this just a young, an older guy on a young team? What, what do you? Why are we here? Why are we at the spot where they're going to buy him out after what you just said? That said last week, they weren't going to buy him out.
1: Well, Kevin's the one that wants to buy out, so because he wants to play. Right. So um, that's why they're here.
0: <laughs> well, why? You know, yeah. I, the, the Cavs
1: don't want to get rid of him because um, if they did, they would have traded him at the deadline. So, um, and, and you know, look, I think that it's dangerous for them to get rid of Kevin love. Cause my worry is something's going to happen to where they're going to need Kevin. Now they did bring in Danny green this week who gives them what, you know, Kevin's, uh, able to give them too, which is that veteran presence with experience that can hit a shot from, uh, beyond, uh, the three point line. But, My fear is that they're going to need Kevin Love, but I certainly understand where Kevin's coming from. Uh, He's in the final year of his contract. He wants to show that he can still play and that he has something left in the tank. Um, You know, since LeBron left the second time, it really has been kind of a roller coaster with Kevin, right? I mean, he he signed the mega contract extension. Then he became really unhappy during the rebuild, right? And the whole pouting and any, you know, he got hurt again and, and which complicated the pouting and and things like that. And then the you know the young guys started to come along, and the the team became fun again. And he he became reinvigorated and, and really ingrained in the, the the team concept thing. Um, and then unfortunately, with just the way the rotation had been working out, you know, JB needed him to take a step back. He just wasn't a fit for the rotation right now. So I understand where Kevin's coming from. Uh, my fear is, though, that the Cavs are going to miss him once that buyout happens. Daryl, thank you. You bet, guys. Thanks, Daryl.
0: Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter. is brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store.